Welcome to Gudao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Tao Te Ching to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, a practicing psychotherapist, and I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach and consultant, David Wong. Hey, David. Hello, Ian. Good morning. Good morning. It's, it's really great to see you again. Yes, same here. And so I know today we're going to move on to chapter 75, which is kind of a breaking point in the book before um, we kind of wrap up the chapters that are on the government and how the government should treat people. And then we're really winding down into the last part of the book where um, we're going to kind of finish up with some of Lao Tzu's last aphorisms and, and thoughts on, on life and the universe and being, being human. I also wanted to just kind of clue our listeners in just to, in case this is the first episode that you're listening to, just how we kind of do these episodes. And at least for now, what, what we're doing is we're going to read the Tao Te Ching text for chapter 75 in, in Chinese. And maybe this will be the first time, if, if this is your first time listening to one of our episodes, actually hearing um, Tao Te Ching read in, in Chinese. After that, we'll, we'll do a an English translation and then just do a, a discussion. And so if, if you've never heard um, this text written in Chinese, it's really an opportunity to, to hear that. Um, but don't be put off by that. A after we do the reading, we're just going to be having a conversation around it. And, and so would you like to um, share with us your, your reading? David? Sure. Yes. 明知机以其上时睡之多,是以机。明知难治,以其上之有为,是以难治。明知轻死,以其上求生之后,是以轻死。不为无以生为者,是咸于贵生。Thank you. You're welcome. And so I'm going to do a translation from Red Pine. The reason people are hungry is that those above levy so many taxes. This is why they are hungry. The reason people are hard to rule is that those above are so forceful. This is why they are hard to rule. The reason people think little of death is that those above think so much of life. This is why they think little of death. Meanwhile, those who do nothing to live are more esteemed than those who love life. Mm. And so just to kind of set the context again for 
when Lao Tzu was writing this would have been um, early in Chinese civilization when you know there were, there was a lot of movement from people being more nomadic and not really staying in in one place to a lot more farming and agriculture but the the those at the top had started really um taxing the people to pay for wars and defense and had been doing a lot of conscription and and pulling a lot of people from the villages to go and protect the borders and that sort of thing and it was a really tough time and and so that's kind of the the mood of the the time when when Lao Tzu was writing this chapter I want to start off by asking you a, a question David do you, do you think that that this just a general question do you think that this chapter is even still relevant in our in our modern world I think the answer is a resounding yes, absolutely. Um, I think there's, as you said, there's a, you know, historical context here, uh, where Lao Tzu was painting a picture of his time, when you know the the rulers, you know, were exploiting people and uh, really heavily taxing them. Um, and uh, I think nowadays, um, you know, instead of just looking at the tax, tax, literally, I think there's a lot of taxation on people nowadays, uh, not only from the government, maybe from other powerful players in our society. So, you know, a lot of the people, especially I would argue the middle class people, people who are stuck in the middle, are probably more miserable uh, historically now. Hmm. Yeah. So tell me, tell me more about how you see this um, this form of um, what Lao Tzu is talking about. I mean, maybe it's not just literal taxes, because obviously in in America, a lot of a lot of people below a certain income don't really pay taxes, but maybe they're you know minimum wage is set in an, in such a way and and other things are kind of set in such a way that there's still this burden tell me more about what you see um how this um statement that Lautz is making about taxation being relevant today uh i think for example you know tax to the government you know is uh you know you know, one big chunk, you know, to in order to, uh, you know, finance a lot of the, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, causes, right? I mean, mm -hmm. some of them to, uh, you know, help uh, people at the bottom of the society. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, I would say, militarily, you know, and other forms. I mean, basically, uh, there's like, quite a big spending mm -hmm. you know, by the government yeah. to fulfill those things. Uh, I would also say beyond that, uh, just the ordinary people, uh, when they work for businesses, I think there's also uh, the taxation of, uh, you know, 
a long time. You know, really the um, a lot of the you know burnt you know burnout of the you know people working in mm -hmm. the social enterprises mm -hmm. in order to make the business more profitable. I mean, the way I see it is uh, broadly defined. These are all taxations mm -hmm. on the common people. So maybe we can just talk about the demands put on people. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, I think that's the probably a more of a figurative version mm -hmm. for taxation, uh, the, the, the modern lives demands, yes. Yeah, so if, if we, so even just looking at the translation a little bit, um, the reason people are hard to rule is that those above are so forceful. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about, that they're so, they're, they make so many demands mm -hmm. on people. And then, and in this day and age, we can also see much more directly that there's this un unfairness that if you, if you were born wealthy and into a lot of wealth, that the system is set up to make sure that you keep your wealth and not just keep your wealth, but that it, it grows more and, and more. While if you're born without, that the system is also set up, you know, so that those demands are even greater. It's, it's far more likely that you're not going to get out of that situation. I mean, a, a, a $200 fine for someone who's living month to month is obviously a much bigger fine compared to someone who's, you know, earning, you know, $100,000 a month. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so these demands, but what are the demands that you see are, are put on people and in this day and age that are kind of making them, um, well, to use Lautz's words, think, think, think little of, of death and maybe even talk a little bit. What does that mean that the people think little of death? I mean, the demands, some of the demands are like a direct it seems to me like the, you know, you have to pay your taxes, right? Yeah. But some of the demands, I think, in a more uh, uh, indirect. In other words, in order to, uh, you know, to cover a lot of the expenses like uh, health care, right, and education, yeah. uh, it almost feels like you have to... Uh, you have to uh, bend yourselves uh, to the system mm -hmm. in order to, you know, have that peace of mind that, you know, as you grow older, you have, uh, you know, the adequate coverage. Or if you have a family and children and, uh, you know, you're not going to take on a lot of debt, uh, you know, if you hope your children... Um, it will get uh, you know a higher education, so those are also demands. Uh, it seems to me, of course, you know, you know, you are given your your you know you are make you have to make your own choices. But in this society, 
uh, it feels like if the you know the broad standard is this way, I mean you cannot opt out of that system. Mm -hmm. So that those are the heavy burdens that I see. Yeah, uh, uh, the people that opt out we see are you know they're living on the street, they're they're homeless. Where you know maybe it's not very safe. Maybe a lot of the people who are there have mental illnesses or or addictions or you know really have just opted out and um are living off the the grid but on top of the burdens that you mentioned there's even the additional burdens that in this system where if you want your children to go to school and there's this idea they've got to get into a good school and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what does it take to get into a good school well i have to make sure my kids are in, involved in all kinds of things so that their resume looks yes, good. Yes, so, absolutely. Like the, uh, use, you know, the SAT, you know, preps, you know, all these cost money. And, and just activities, like the, the people that I know who are, their kids are in soccer and they're in um, basketball and swimming and hockey and they're in all these different activities so that the whole the whole hope it, it, it's not even necessarily that they enjoy all these things all that much but they know well to be competitive i have to make sure that my kids are doing all this stuff so that they can get into school so there's the demands of maybe a a white collar job mm -hmm. that you know you, you're working more than 40 hours a week and then as soon as you're off work you know, you and your spouse are coordinating to try to get the kids run here and run there and run here and run there. And and that's for the people who are kind of more privileged. I mean, the people, the working class people who maybe, maybe they have um, a 40 hour a week job, but more than likely they might be hustling, trying to do as much work as they can just to pay the bills and and maybe for their kids they're not even thinking about something like their resume for college they 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 don't even have that luxury to be able to think about that it's just it's a daily grind mhm mm well sometimes i would argue that you know maybe uh controversially uh that might be a good thing because i think it's that illusion of privilege that creates a lot of anxiety, you know, for pe for the people you just mentioned. I think um, mm -hmm. there's a belief that there that if you do all of this, eventually you will arrive at a destination mm -hmm. that you know that you will you will be happy. Mm -hmm. But according to a lot of the stories or you know and anecdotes, you know, a lot of people who you know who have achieved a lot academically and professionally, you know, face, you know, uh, you know, face uh, their life crisis at one mm -hmm. point because they feel like externally they get everything. If they mm -hmm. got, they've got everything, mm -hmm. but eternally, uh, but internally it's all empty and hollow. Well, I think that's a great, a great point that a lot of times when we talk about 
privilege even in our society, we talk about it in the context of like corporate success. Like, oh, if you're a, a white guy, it's easier to speak in meetings. True. If you're a white guy, it's easier to get a job interview. True. Mm-hmm. If you're a white guy, it's easier to get promoted in a business. True. But that kind of privilege is still so centered around corporate success that now we're, we're even defining privilege in the context of this sort of authoritarian corporate mode of, of thinking, which that, that in and of itself is kind of disturbing because what about the privilege of, of being happy? What of, what about the privilege of having spiritual depth? What about the privilege of having emotional stability what about the privilege of having humanity i mean mm-hmm. we don't talk about those things and so even even our discussions of privilege in this country have this really perverse mm-hmm. notion of it in the context of like who does well within a corporate structure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more of a materialistically like uh, you're talking about the uh wealth you know access to you know, uh, material things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us more about that. I, I like this notion of privilege of, you know, happiness versus privilege of the things that the society is promoting. I would love to. <clears throat> so the thing that I'm thinking about this morning, you know, where I grew up was not privileged. I mean, it was literally um on a on a farm in West Virginia the family had some land mm-hmm. and there was um most of the land was on top of the hill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but down on the side of the hill the, there was a barn that they used to keep the ponies in mm-hmm. and once they didn't have ponies anymore, it just it kind of sat there, and they they converted it into like a little cabin. They put a a stove in there, a coal stove, and mm-hmm. um, it was very basic. Don't I mean it was not some elaborate um, refurbish or or remodel. I mean this was done very very crudely. But um, that's where I ended up living for most of my childhood and it was rough i mean it was really really rough just for a lot of reasons i'm not going to get into but but i was thinking about where i grew up there outside of just some of the like really intense stuff i was surrounded by i mean we were we were poor poor as hell i mean we had we had no money mm-hmm. um no one even I don't, I don't think anyone even considered like thinking about my brother and I like doing anything with our lives or, or becoming anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, but living there in nature, that was a privilege where you couldn't see another house. Mm-hmm. You might wake up to see, you know, 50 turkeys in the backyard, just kind of going, mm-hmm. going across or, or deer and, Mm-hmm. just walking through the woods and just being it with the trees and, and nature. And I can still feel mm-hmm. 
the spirit of nature and my deep in my bones from mm-hmm. living that way. And it was interesting because I went back home for I went back there for a family reunion recently. And what I really wanted to go back and see was the land because I felt like the land was what really nourished me and took care of me mm-hmm. and, and what really felt like my my parents. Yep. And that's a huge privilege. Like that's a that I got to grow up <clears throat> even though there were so many difficulties that I got to grow up without being indoctrinated with this sick system that we live in mm-hmm. that's just based upon accomplishment, your resume, you know, like e- that even our social justice so much is framed in the context of the white man's privilege of moving up the corporate ladder. It's like, mm-hmm. that's just a, a dead end. I mean, there's no life there. Like li- life comes from being alive and, and this um, being part of, of a deep ecology. And so even our social justice is perverted because we're so fixated on like, well, who gets to be CEO? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, wow. Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of privilege that I'm talking about, like that internal feeling, and that that's still part of me that I even recognize that what I crave so much is to try to return to that and how much once you get sucked into this kind of corporatized commercialized society that we're in where even our social justice is about you know corporatism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how hard it is to get out and and how much i still just you know i want to get back to where i was as a as a child where you know we had three TV stations mm-hmm. and at any given time you could only get one and focus. And if, and if you wanted to watch another one, you literally had to climb onto the roof of the barn mm. and manually turn this antenna to point it toward the broadcasting tower. Wow. Wow. You know what you're saying uh, reminds me of a lot of my own childhood Cool. And also, uh, you know, you know, my wife and I were about the same age. The other day, we are walking together. We are walking around the lake here, and uh, she shared also shared with me that, uh, you know, in the like in those days, uh, you know, um, her parents uh, had to go to work, so her parents basically, you know, uh, put her in a crib, and then because. You know, uh, you know, she sleep. She slept a lot, but when she, uh, you know, she woke up, she couldn't find, you know, people around. So her parents, like, uh, you know, uh, cleverly, you know, put a radio there, mm. and uh, then mm-hmm. the, with the radio program, like a music or broad, mm-hmm. kind of a broadcast. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is, at that time, the radio program doesn't have like a, like like today, twenty four seven. You know, mm-hmm. it stops. And uh, and then yeah. you know, maybe you're you're wait, waiting for the next period. So still yeah. nowadays she could hear 
all the static static sound the sound uh, when the the radio program like stopped, you mm -hmm. know during that uh, you know that that period. Mm -hmm. So that became part of her you know childhood memory. For me, it's the same. Like those things are like simple pleasures of life. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. my cousins, you know, my relatives, we went to a lake to during the summertime to catch, you know, shrimps, like fish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially the fish. What we ended up with is like we uh, uh, we catch some very, very small fish and a shrimp. And then we put into, we do did some, you know, use the flour and put in the flour and then we fry it. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, it's so tasty at that time, you know, mm. to do those mm. things. But again, you know, as, uh, as you said, now I feel like, um, you know, it's almost like a paradise lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my, in my mind, in my mm -hmm. heart. And, uh, you know, it's almost feels like, okay, where's the returning, you know, mm -hmm. how can I return to that part of time other than, you know, in, in my imagination? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, we're, again, because of our conditioning and how this society now conditions us, it makes us afraid for Mm -hmm. Our retirement kind of scares us that, oh, you better, you better save because when you're old, you're going to need all this money to take care of, of yourself and no one's going to help you because, again, we've broke down all the social bonds that how people used to live, everyone would be close to each other, mm -hmm. they would be right next to each other. If they needed help, there was someone there. There was people there to take care of the older people. And, and, and our society has broken all that down. Now, in the spirit of materialism and consumerism, mm -hmm. you, you want everyone to have their own house and as big of a house as you can. And why? So that people will fill it up with a bunch of stuff and work their whole lives just filling that house up with, you know, appliances and, and goods where if you had three generations living in the same house or four generations, mm -hmm. well, now you only need one set of appliances. Now you only need one set of dishware and, right. and, and that doesn't work in this system. You, you want to split people up and divide them up and, you know, ha have them go to where the jobs are, have a, a fluid workforce. Right, right, right. So our society makes us anxious and nervous and terrified about well, what do I do when I'm retired? Like maybe I would like to do this returning mm -hmm. and just go live on a lake somewhere and do fishing, but I can't do that now. I've got a toil and make sure that I've got plenty. What if I live to be a hundred years old? I'm going to need millions of dollars so that I don't end up in some state run nursing home where mm -hmm. there's someone with a high school diploma that doesn't really care about me at all. And maybe even like slaps me and abuses me because they hate mm -hmm. their job. And I mean, and, and we call this progress. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. The other thing, you know, talking about uh, these 
uh, aging and death thing. Uh, I had uh, a long-term friend. I had a, 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 a long chat with him. We talked about, uh, you know, I shared with him recently, I read in the old Chinese classics about the death rituals, uh, you know, a, a long, long time ago, probably during the time, a little bit after Laozi's time, but not, mm. I mean, still during that time period that, you know, family members, it, it, it was so elaborate in terms mm. of how people, uh, you know, how people, uh, you know, handle grief and handle mm. death uh, mm. to give more meaning to death. Uh, but nowadays, you know, I, I jokingly, I said to my friend, I said, nowadays, all the professionals will handle it. You know, like the wow. somebody can, uh, you know, live a, a fun life in, here in Florida at the, the so-called village, you know, mm -hmm. people talked about all mm -hmm. the old people have fun, but the other day they just disappear. So mm. uh, it's very different from the old, old time when people, both the living and, you know, the living, they took time to, uh, to grieve, to remember uh, the people who just passed away. Mm. It's very different. It's nowadays like that, that, that social bound uh, mm -hmm. is taken over yeah. by the social function, you know, more of a societal functioning yeah. versus a, a, a family or personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and while we don't talk a lot about Kongsa or, or Confucianism, I mean, that's really at the heart of it. Just the, Knitting, knitting society together in a deep, meaningful way, so that the communities did have deep bonds and and deeper relationships, mm -hmm. and and kind of spelling it out in a way so that it didn't get lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that what Americans maybe don't realize is just kind of the poverty that we're in today because. We don't have any of that. I mean, everything's just been kind of whittled away and kind of carved out. Yeah. And, and replaced with, like you're saying, with professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some thinkers uh, like uh, Henry David Thoreau or, you know, Emerson, uh, during that age, that time, when just the society, American society, enter into that kind of a more industrializing uh, period, they kind of warn that. I, mm -hmm. I feel like when I re read, you know, the, the Warden Pound, the, you know, the, his journal, Henry David Thoreau's journal, uh, you know, I was reminded there was a time when, you know, there's like the, the, this new frontier, right, mm -hmm. of the, you know, uh, uh, American spirit like more self-sufficient, mm -hmm. more pastoral existence, like what you describe mm -hmm. then nowadays. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, as we sort of are making the so-called progress, we're losing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how do you see industrialism has... Um, like we call it progress, but we're 
but we're actually losing. What, what are we losing and, and how is it industrialism that's, that's kind of contributed to that? Well, in several ways, uh, nature, right? That's a big part of it. We, you know, dominate nature. We try to, I mean, nature originally was like provided to us. Like mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a way of uh, nurturing us as you, mm -hmm. Early on, you you use a you know sometimes you feel like oh there's the the parents right like the 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 par mm -hmm. parental love mm -hmm. wrapping you around right when mm -hmm. you wander in those like mountains or you know the the in the woods mm -hmm. but now we I think we destroy destroy a lot of those so nature is a big part mm -hmm. and I think. Industrialization also uh, in the pursuit of efficiency. Uh, we are losing a lot of, um, uh, for example, in the traditional society, this joy of work, meaning mm -hmm. like a craftsmanship, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Craftsmanship. Yeah. It's no longer there. It's all no. you play a small part of it, you become a cog in mm -hmm. a big machine. Mm -hmm. You produce a lot, but mm -hmm. you know what's that connection with the larger whole? There's no connection. There's it's no. A pay, it's a paycheck, right? And uh, what else? And now we are at an age that even that part is going to be replaced by AI. So, in other mm -hmm. words, yeah. I don't know, like the. I talked with another friend who actually is just, you know, uh, uh, got a new job uh, in a manufacturing facility in Ohio. And now his responsibility is investigate into AI and mm -hmm. try to replace more people, yeah. as, as many as possible. Yeah, that is the future. Yeah. So those are the things that I think just as a result of this, you know, industrialization, I, I believe there's a larger force uh, behind that is probably more of a, along the line of, uh, how would you say, like the, as in this chapter, Lao Tzu say, you know, maybe we are valuing life too much. I'm, I'm, our our timing couldn't have been better. That was actually the question that I was on the tip of my tongue. I wanted to ask you what you think it means to love life too much. And it sounds like that's exactly where you're heading. Uh, I think it, good question. I think it means uh, in worldly terms, it means we are falling in love with all the, the forms of life. Hmm. I think beyond those forms, you know, there's, you know, something else. But, you know, somehow in the, uh, we have lost touch with that, uh, the formless aspect of life. So nowadays it's all forms, like mm. materials, you know, mm. gadgets, houses, you mm. know, all these things. I think to value life, uh, my, uh, you know, interpretation of what Lao Tzu is saying that, uh, is those, you know, possessions, positions, power, mm -hmm. you know, 
of life. Uh, That's going to be my new phrase, possessions and positions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that just, it summarizes (laughs) the thinking of of our modern time. People are just concerned about possessions and positions. Positions, yes, exactly, exactly. So, well, during Lao Tzu's time, you know, maybe a small, like a small number of people at the tip of the, the, the top of the pyramid, right? They mm-hmm. tend to, you know, value life more, and then they're sitting on the top of the pyramid. Oh yeah. Uh, the, and uh, taking advantage of the people below. Oh yeah. Uh, but that pattern, I guess, structurally hasn't changed that much. Nope. You know, uh, it, despite you know our uh, claiming for progress, equality, right. and everything, yeah. but that structure is still there, and oh, maybe yeah. it's more subtle. Maybe sometimes people believe, have the illusion that, you know, we are all equal, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we you know, you know, all these things. But yeah. that we're not we just get... serfs on a rich man's plantation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So in a sense, you know, human nature really hasn't changed that much. No, and and, and that human nature has been a big mismatch with society, with civilization since the time that Lao Tzu was talking about. I mean, you know, you, I was um, talking with some people online about mm-hmm. some things like rights and people start talking about like positive rights versus negative rights and like negative mm-hmm. ne- rights. Yeah. Neg- they 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 say that negative rights are um, rights that you just they're um, unalienable. You just have them at birth. So like um, the right to air, for example, like air airs everywhere. Everyone desires air. Right to air would be one, um, or right to. Um, defend yourself mm-hmm. but then they that that would be a negative right like you shouldn't have that take taken away but then mm. they mm. they talk about positive rights are are rights to things that you're you just don't have by default like health care for example that would be a positive right and so they say well positive rights are th- th- those aren't given by by nature and so um, those are different, and we should think about them differently. But uh, um, privacy, they'll say that right to privacy is a negative right in the sense that um, that's just, you know, that's only something that can be taken away. You, you have it by default. And and then I started thinking about, um, and this is more of like a libertarian way of Right, right. Of is there another way of saying the negative rights maybe are more along the line of necessities and yeah. then the other one is more, you know, nice to have or more luxury kind of thing. Yeah. S- someone has to give it to you. Po- positive. So- like healthcare doesn't just exist right here, nature. right now. Right. right. Like uh-huh. someone has to create that for you. Someone has to create a system and then provide it to you. But I was thinking about that and I'm like, well, the world that people evolved within um, before, you know, we had society, 
we we actually didn't evolve to have privacy, private property, um, any of these things that the libertarians say are 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 you know given to us by nature. You know, when we evolved two hundred and fifty thousand over two hundred and fifty thousand years ago, and up until civilization, we were in small groups of of people who. You know, we lived literally on top of each other in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever little, you know, temporary shelters we made. When you were having sex, like mm-hmm. everyone else was around, like mm-hmm. there was no, mm-hmm. there was no private. Everybody knew everybody's business, mm-hmm. and no one even thought about it because the relationships were so deep and so intimate. You needed each other so intimately mm-hmm. to survive. No one even thought about like I I I. Mm-hmm. It was we. Like, what do we need to do to survive the day? And so that's when I realized that libertarians have this total fantasy about human nature that's not based in reality at all. It's this made up thing that they've created within the context of this perverted society that we live in that that's nothing like the the world that we evolved in i mean privacy mm-hmm. nature doesn't nature doesn't care about your privacy have have you i mean nature doesn't provide privacy i mean we we couldn't have survived as a species if there was privacy i mean we we literally had no privacy we were we we constantly knew what everybody was doing Mm-hmm. We slept in the same mm-hmm. place at night with other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting that even this notion of what nature provides by default is so perverted in, in the society because mm-hmm. the people, the libertarian fantasy that like the individual is what's preeminent it's like we didn't we would not have made it if it was individuals running around the savannah if it was individuals Mm -hmm. running around the forest so what nature provides is actually quite different and and what the human mind Mm -hmm. is is wired for is -hmm. quite different and so what does it mean to love life too much i mean i think this libertarian fantasy that like life is about me 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 and Mm -hmm all of these rights that I, I say nature gives to me, but are actually not natural at all. They're, mm-hmm. they're, const- they're constructed within this capitalist framework that's about maximizing wealth for a few people at the expense of society, at the expense of our true, true human nature, at the expense of the sort of intimacy and emotional fulfillment that we had as humans when we really lived closely with one another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I have a question around, you know, this uh, negative rights versus positive rights. Why do you think they are making such a distinction? In what kind of context? You know, what does that distinction lead to, you know, their argument or their claim they don't want to pay taxes ah <laughs> i mean that's really what it comes down to okay okay i you see know, they, i mean they they don't want to pay taxes they kind of they're, they're people who are well off in this society yeah i mean 
it's almost always a rich person who is a libertarian um, or thinks that they're going to be rich very soon. And so, you know, they, they want to be able to stockpile guns. They want to be left alone. They don't want to pay any taxes. And they basically just want to be able to sit on a big pile of resources and, and wealth and not contribute back to society. So by arguing that uh, there are only a very small number of like a, what they call the negative rights, they are willing to yeah. kind of acknowledge and cover everything else they're saying you know you have to earn it right is that yep and 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 what's interesting is just again how arbitrary their thinking is mm -hmm. they'll say like thing things provided by nature by default and it's like well nature provides food by default like i mean na nature they'll use god too they'll say god or nature right you know, food is there but then if you said oh so you think everyone should have access to a food resource throughout the day? Oh no, 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 no. That's a that's a positive, right? Someone has to give that to you. But it's like, wait, well, wait a second. Like, you know, there's fruiting trees. There's if there there's flower like plants growing. The animals are out there. Like, nature is providing that. Just like you're saying, nature provides. You know, the these other things, air. I mean, wh wh why the why the distinction between air, water, and food and, and privacy? That like, mm, mm, mm. it sounds like they are using this distinction to explain away their responsibility to the yeah. society while maximizing their individual uh, welfare. Is that yeah. kind of the at the end of the day? Is that you know? Yes. It's all about. I mean, in a yes. way, in a way, it's like uh, you know, I'll just like. So it's it's almost like. Yeah, just as you said, you know, originally in that original state, we are all like, uh, we are bonding together, right? Yes, we're, we're we are all, bonded together. We are like the kind of in a state of interdependence in a way, yes. right? With each other and with nature. And with nature. But they're saying, they're saying like, say, uh, they're created, they have created, I think, it's, it, it, isn't it that in a way they use this argument to protect what they have, basically? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to not, to not share. And, and, it's, mm. and it's sharing that that got humanity to where we got to. And that's why their belief system just betrays a total blind spot or an unwillingness to, to be honest about how humanity evolved, survived, and got to where we're at. Like completely denies human nature. Yeah, yeah. Do you see like with their arguments, uh, like uh, uh, the, the larger... Uh, population of the society are more and more people kind of a uh, awakening from that argument, or you know, still people are bought into their argument. What do you see? The what? What's your sense of the general sentiment around those arguments? As we, you know, because that you know that the libertarian. I remember during my college days in my 
uh, uh, political science class, you know, people talked about these views. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, but that was, a, a, you know, many years ago. Yeah. Now I feel like uh, I have a, during that time, I just like look at their idea and I thought, oh, that's a cool idea that, you know, because, you know, we're really talking about, you know, our freedom here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that's the young me. But now, as I'm hearing this argument again, mm -hmm. I feel it's a more of a self-justification, mm -hmm. you know, for their status. In other words, I recently I saw a quote uh, which says, you know, uh, where you sit is where you stand. Mm -hmm. You know, where yep. you, yeah. So I guess like that's where they sit. So mm -hmm. that's the view they have. Yeah, if if I was smog the the dragon sitting on my my pile of gold, I would probably ha adopt a worldview that that says that it, it justifies to me why I should you know be sitting on this giant pile of of gold while you know a everyone else around me is maybe hungry. Yeah, yeah. So going back to this uh, this chapter, I sort of feel like uh, did you get the sense that people are seeing through these arguments and they are not cooperating anymore, you know, with, you know, this kind of uh, conditioning or in certain ways? I mean, part, I would like to say that people aren't, but I think the reality is, is that people are, I mean, I think people see through mm. the system, but at the same time, I think that they, have essentially just become kind of resigned to um, it. And and really, it's like, I don't know how much choice people have. I mean, if, if we look at Wu Wei as, how would we apply it? And it's sort of just like we were talking about the last time. I mean, what are you supposed to? to do i mean the system is now glo globalized it's it's enforced by you know militaries and police forces and the surveillance state and mm -hmm. marketing and it's just this constant bombardment that keeps people within this um right wing authoritarian corporatized um, globalized system and it can be also left-wing authoritarian too but authoritarian essentially and, and commercial materialist um, industrialist right right and right. and so you know just again as a Taoist you know we just try to remember our Taoist principles and what human nature really is and uh, and how we would prefer to be and at some point we know like think things revert back to where they were and that time will come that day will come we don't know if it'll be in our lifetime or some other time but it'll happen i i think i agree with you because i sort of seeing well like people uh, kind of intuitively, they act in a Taoist way, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah. You know, we are the one we're talking about it. We're, you know, kind of analyzing it. But when I look around and see people, how people 
uh, behave. I almost want to put some words in there to describe their mental state right now, which is mm -hmm. they are watching this thing to die its own natural death and collapse. Yeah. I yeah. sort of find people are, as you're saying, um, maybe unlike the old days, people like uh, formed and uh, and rebel against a system and mm -hmm. try to over, you know, like throughout history, then yeah. to find another solution. But then, you know, that force is corrupted, right? Mm -hmm. So nowadays, people see the patterns of history now. They just, um, I guess a lot of times they are just like a watching. Uh, yeah. In China, in China, there's a new phrase to describe the crowd's men mentality, which is like uh, watching while you, you are eating watermelon, like <laughs> Yeah, it, that, that's a phrase like uh, you are, you know, what can you do? So yeah. they're just like, you know, eating the watermelon and watching and watching. Mm. <laughs> are like a masses. The masses. Oh. Are, yeah, the masses who are Eating the well, usually you you like it's like uh, like during my childhood that's when you are watching a like a, maybe a, a sports event mm. on TV mm -hmm. or watching a, a you know a, a you know a a, a t, like a, a th, you know a movie or something mm -hmm. uh, in front of your TV like either you're during the summertime you're you know, you're eating the watermelon mm -hmm. and then watching it. So now that phrase means, uh, you know, you're just watching all the special interests fighting with each other. Yeah. You, you watch the fighting. So yep. I think that's the kind of the mindset I see a lot of people. Uh, they're not, first of all, they, they know they don't have many choices. So right. they cope as much as they can until yep. they cannot cope anymore. Right. And then they will probably, I don't know, they will do some extreme things. But before that happens, they're just watching this system to collapse. That's what I'm yep. seeing, just exactly. and, and sensing. And, and I think the difference now is that people are a lot more enlightened that, you know, we could live a different way that if, you know, when this system collapses, it would be ridiculous to rebuild it. Like, like even mm. what cor coronavirus showed us that like, wow, normal kind of sucked. Like this, like we, we don't want to rebuild mm. th this because this, this is not good. See, that's why Biden says like, let's rebuild better. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, chose a slogan like that. Yeah. Basically that implies that we don't, we don't want that old normal, right? That old no. normal, it's already at its its end. You know, people are yeah. tired of it, sick of it. Yes. But we are not sure what that better is, I feel like, in some way. I feel like, you know, even if, like, Biden says something like, uh, you know, building uh, back better, are we using the old logic to build better? Sometimes I was wondering... Like, Probably. What, yeah. is, what is that truly? What is that better is? Yeah, I mean, I think when the government comes up with a slogan like that, you kind of have to roll your uh, eyes at it because, I mean, it's just propaganda. But, um, but building, 
it, it's the back part because it's like build back better because you're still saying like in the same direction that we were going before and that the direction that we were going before was not a good direction. I mean, we're heading to toward global catastrophe, destroying everything. I mean, ripping up species of plants that, you know, so that we can have acres and acres and acres of single species, you know, grains, corn, soybeans, whatever. I mean, that's not how diversity works. That's not how ecosystems work. Yeah. So our, our, the direction that we're heading, you know, building that direction better still is a dead end. So what's the point? Well, the thing is, I I think I agree with you. I think that is a contradictory, self-contradictory statement. The reason it's self-contradictory is because the politicians are always trying to bring together, you know, the different forces, right? Mm -hmm. There may be more uh, radical or progressive forces that saying, you know, let's just forget the old system. But there are, there are a lot of vested interests who says, oh, no, 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 we want, we want to keep that. Yeah. So that dilemma, that contradiction can only be solved with time. Yep. Sometimes I feel like all these conditioning of the older generation are, are going to go away after their death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's nature's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Steve Jobs said, "Nature is the most death is the most powerful change agent," and I believe that. I mean, after all these arguments and the fighting, okay, you know, you cannot escape death. You know, any powerful people in the world cannot escape death. So after that death, new things will happen. Well, that sounds like a a great um, stopping point for us today. So thanks for your participation in today's discussion. And thanks to our listeners. And And, uh, look forward to the next time. That sounds great, David. Take care. You too.